Hi, I'm William F. Reed. And I'm Sean Leonard. And we're the Movie Makers. It's a podcast that works sort of like a writer's room spitballing session. That's right. And we invite our friends and colleagues in the industry to join us in coming up with a movie pitch idea. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's funny. Sometimes it's not. <laughs> but it's, but always it's always a podcast. A podcast. Yeah, we nailed it. <laughs> Cut, print. You can find us by searching The Movie Makers, three separate words, wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to Hollywood Profiles of Yesteryear. We are broadcasting from the lonely studio at the back of the house with your host, me, Gabriel Russo. And we are back together to look at someone from long ago in movies, a pioneer of the silent era. And so this month, you heard at the top of the show that uh, we got our first advertiser, the movie makers. They've got a fun podcast. As of right now, they're on their fourth episode. It seems really, it seems like a great show. So give it a try, if you would, and um, support them. Podcasters supporting podcasters, that's great. So Happy New Year, Merry Christmas, and all that stuff. Like I said, we got our first advertiser, and you heard their ad. Also, in other big news, uh, we got our first Patreon subscriber, supporter, Susan Brazal, I hope I got your name right. And thank you so much. I mean, thank you so much for supporting the show. That's fantastic. And so, um, with the with the help and support of Patreon supporters such as Susan and advertisers such as the Movie Makers, the podcast is onward and upward. I'll stick to a more regular schedule if I can. I know I say that every episode, but eventually, maybe it'll happen. I mean, it's just so fantastic that advertising, I can't even, I've just been itching to get back from vacation and uh, and record a show. And uh, I've got notes now on a couple. You can tell my voice is a little off. I've been sick while I was on vacation over Christmas. I got a cold, of course, that's always the way. Related to the podcast, I did, while I was on vacation, I found these um, drinking glasses. We were in this resale shop. I found these tumblers, um, drinking glasses, with, uh, on the outside, they say, Roaring Twenties. It'll have the person's name, the actor's name, and then you look through the glass and print it on the inside of the other side. It's got a picture of the person and a uh, notable film role and so and they're like glass they're like gold leafed sort of anyway they were cool and they're a set of 12 actually three sets of four but they came in 12 but anyway they're all 1920s well it's the roaring 20s so there was uh you know douglas fairbanks and there was laurel and hardy and clara bow lionel barrymore blah 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 future episodes I'll take I'll cover everyone that's on those glasses I've covered several of them but for this episode uh, we are going to look at the life and career of one Zazu Pitts 
Seizu Pits, I should say. That's the correct pronunciation. We did her partner, Thelma Todd, in the early days of the podcast. And so now I'm going to circle around and check out the life of the other half of their comedy duo. The life and career of Zezu Pitts, right after this. In 1941, radio fans were all earphones listening to a pioneer station, WHN. Crystal Set Explorers hear such performers as Miriam Batista, child movie star. One of radio's trailblazing announcers introduces what he calls a little peach from a Broadway show. The peach poses as radio gets called everything from gag to gadget, at best a plaything in the fans. But fate is to make radio a power in a world of peace and war. Oh, well, we're back. Things are afoot here with the podcast, with our new Patreon and our new advertiser, The Movie Makers. Uh, Their podcast can be found everywhere that podcasts are found. Various other, wherever you're listening to this, you can find theirs. Just put in The Movie Makers. So as always, consult the internet for the show, the vast resources of the internet. Mostly, I stick to Wikipedia, IMDb, and various blogs, etc. for whatever information I need for the episode. Uh, the old phrases that I use, the, 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 the segment, uh, they are called from thoughtcatalog.com. Or actually, this week I went to a thing called, uh, I found a, uh, a PDF from a school, citrus k12.fl.us. So it must have been a school project or something. They listed like 200 phrases of, uh, of the 1920s. And this time, the phrase of the episode is a flo- I always want to say that. A four-flusher. A four-flusher. That's a person who pretends to be rich while mooching off of others. He's a real floor- f- I keep wanting to say floor-flusher. He's a real four-flusher, that one. So like I said, the subject of this week's episode, without further ado, Eliza Susan Pitts. She was born in Parsons, Kansas, January 3rd, 1894, and she passed away June 7th, 1963, in Hollywood, California. So, uh, like I said, she was the third of four kids. Her father lost a leg uh, in the 76th Infantry in the Civil War. So, yeah, he lost a leg in the Civil War. That is crazy that we are talking about people whose relatives fought in the Civil War. So, her name, Seizu, she had an aunt named Eliza and an aunt named Susan, hence her first and middle name. They both wanted the kid to be named after them. So, the mom, uh, Nellie, took the last two letters of Eliza and the first two letters of Susan and mushed them together. And so, Zasu is what is how it should be pronounced, I guess. Zasu. Zazu is how I always heard it. Zazu Pitts. But uh, there's a pronunciation that I found online from Pitts herself. The correct, the correct pronunciation is Seizu. Seizu. So, Seizu Pitts. 
it says here in the article that it is a commonly mispronounced name, obviously. And she recounted that Mary Pickford, in her book, she recounts that uh, Mary Pickford predicted that many will mispronounce your name, you know, and added how right she was. People aren't going to know how to pronounce your name, you know, sweetheart. You should change it to something else. They all sound like Edith Bunker in my mind. I'm sorry about my voice. It's, uh, like I said, I've been sick, and this will be, recording the podcast will be the most that I have spoken <laughs> in uh, probably like 10 days. So, so in 1903, she's nine years old. Her family moves to Santa Cruz, Santa Cruz, California. I used to live there. It was awesome. She makes her stage debut in 1914 and 15, doing local community theater in uh, Santa Cruz. 1916, she decides to move to Los Angeles at the age of 22. So she, uh, she looks for extra work, and she is discovered by Frances Marion, screenwriter who we've talked about a few times in the, over the course of the podcast. So she stars uh, Marion Cass Seizu as uh, an orphaned child in the silent film A Little Princess in 1917, starring Mary Pickford. So that's how they get to know each other. So she's, her popularity starts to grow, and she's doing one reel comedies. Uh, what do we say there? About 12 minutes long, something like that. And she gets her first uh, feature-length lead role in uh, King Vidor's Better Times. So then she does a couple other pictures, several pictures in 1920 and 21. Um, she's working with this guy, Tom Gallery, who uh, she ends up marrying. She's paired with him in, a, in several movies. So she she ends up marrying him in 1920, just working along. So 19 by 1924, she gets the greatest role of her career, according to quote-unquote, in the Eric von Stroheim's epic picture, Greed. Now, Eric von Stroheim, a very famous Austrian-American film director, he directed uh, Greed, which is considered one of the finest and most important films ever made. So he, um, he clashes with studio bosses over budget and workers' rights and is banned for life as a director. So he becomes a, uh, he goes to France and becomes a character actor, Eric von Stroheim. He died in 1957. So this greed picture is nine and a half hours long. And, you know, people complain about, uh, you know, Yentl and, uh, and what, what's a, um, Gandhi being long, but nine and a half hours. Holy moly. She was a, uh, a that came out in 1924 and she was a famous, had a reputation as a comedy actress, a, com a comedian. So she's given this tragic role in this greed, which uh, apparently shocked everyone in Hollywood because, you know, she's known for comedy. But I guess he saw something in her. And she she could draw tears. Apparently she had a doleful demeanor. She actually, she was uh, in the Popeye cartoons. Her mannerisms and her voice and her worrisome attitude is the basis for the olive oil character in the Popeye cartoons. Oh, Popeye, and she's always wringing her hands and always you know, worried about Bluto or Brutus or whoever. So she's got that, she's real tall and skinny with that sort of worried, you know, worrisome look on her face. 
So anyway, she's cast in this, uh, in this, the theatrical cut ran over two hours. So, I mean, that's not too bad. So I guess the nine and a half hours was the director's cut. And I'll bet all directors have a nine and a half hour version of every movie they made. And this is where I filmed down the staircase for 20 minutes. It's beautiful. The, the theatrical cut of this picture is just over two hours, which is really long for, you know, for back then. It's initially a failure at the box office, but uh, has since been restored to just over four hours and is considered now one of the greatest films ever made. Now, I haven't seen it, and so I will withhold judgment, but, uh, you know, better people than me are claiming that it's one of the greatest films ever, so we'll go with that. Von Stroheim labels her, labels Pitts, the greatest dramatic actress, quote-unquote. And uh, he will put her in one, two, three, four, five other pictures of his over the course of the next several years into the 30s. It was in the early 1930s when she was teamed with Thelma Todd as a comedy duo, Thelma Todd and Zazu Pitts. They did B-movies and comedy shorts. They worked for Hal Roach and did a series of feature-length comedies with Slim Somerville. He was just a, a comedian of the day, basically. Now, like I said, she was teamed with Thelma Todd, who we did an episode of, you know, in the early, like I said, in the early days, because she died suspiciously at the age of 29. So in 1931, she's cast with Thelma Todd. Pitts leaves the duo in 1933. Apparently a lot of people had trouble with Hal Roach over pay and over contracts and that kind of thing and so she leaves she's replaced in the comedy duo by uh patsy kelly and they go on to do 21 more shorts and then like i said we covered thelma todd in an earlier episode you can check that out if you haven't already listened to it she was found dead in her car so zazu pitts leaves in like in 1933 like i said over um but all through that other time, all through that time, she's making other pictures as well. She does comedies and uh, features dramas. By 1930, when sound is uh, really prominent, she gets relegated to more comedy roles. She was cast initially in the picture 1930, All Quiet on the Western Front, which I have, it's one of the movies that I've heard of that we talk about. She was bitterly disappointed. They replaced her. They showed her in previews uh, to audiences who were used to seeing her in comedies, you know. Didn't buy her in a war picture, apparently. And even though she gave an intense performance, um, they laughed. And so uh, she was placed by Beryl Mercer in uh, All Quiet on the Western Front. She was, you know, she would be disappointed at that fact the rest of her career. Although she did, you know, it's not like she really suffered. You know what I mean? So she did tons of tons of other she did tons of other movies throughout the 1930s. She portrayed one of the notable things is she portrayed Hildegard Withers, which I guess is a uh, a fictional character, a variation basically on Miss Marple, Agatha Christie. So she's a murder a mystery. You know she solves mysteries in her books, kind of fallen by the wayside. But she followed Edna May Oliver as Hildegard Withers. This is Azu Pitts. But by the end of the 1930s, kind of her career is sort of winding down, movie career. And so she gets, in the 40s, she does um, 
She does a lot of work in radio. She works with Bing Crosby, with Al Jolson, Rudy Valley, W.C. Fields. She appears on the earliest Fibber McGee and Molly show, playing a dizzy dame who's constantly looking for a husband. Fibber McGee and Molly was one of the uh, longest. It was on NBC. It was one of the most popular and longest-running radio series of the time. Primetime situation comedy. Ran from 1935 to 1956. Wow. Jim and Marion Jordan were the real-life husband and wife team that had been working in radio since the 1920s. So they came up with this. It's a crazy long show. So she goes on through, uh, yeah, she works with, she does life with father. She does, her final role was as Gertie, the switchboard operator in It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. 1963. So I mentioned that she was um, married to uh, Thomas Gallery from 1920 to 1933. He was a boxing promoter and later a TV executive. And uh, they had two kids, one Ann Gallery and one Don, whose real name was Marvin Carville Lamar. Thomas and Zezu adopted him when Barbara Lamar, who we did an episode of, on the show. She died in 1926 of tuberculosis and nephritis at age 29. She was a a heroin addict and a cocaine addict. But anyway, they were best friends, Barbara Lamar and uh, Zezu Pitts. And in 1926, upon her death, Thomas and Zezu Pitts stepped up and adopted him, adopted Donald, changed his name to Donald Michael from Marvin probably did him a favor <laughs> and so um she was de- she was diagnosed with cancer in the mid 50s uh although she continued to work and like i said she did uh she worked up until 1963 she wrote a book a book of candy recipes interesting called candy hits by zezu pitts which was published after her death in 1963 Um, She has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. She was awarded that in 1960. It's on the 6500 block of Hollywood Boulevard, the south side. She was honored with a postage stamp um, in 1994. The silent screen stars stamp set, designed by noted caricaturist Al Hirschfeld, did Rudolph Valentino, Clara Bow, Charlie Chaplin, and Zezu Pitts. In Parson, Kansas, Parsons, Kansas, where she was from, there is a star tile at the entrance to the Parsons Theater commemorating her. Well, that's kind of neat. So in the film Never Give a Sucker an Even Break, W.C. Fields asks his niece, played by Gloria Jean, Don't you want to go to school? You want to be dumb like Zazu Pitts? She only acts like that in pictures. I like her. That's what Gloria Jean replies. Just a reference of, you want to be dumb like Zezu Pitts. Just a a reference, you know, at the same time that she's kind of, not typecast necessarily, but that was kind of her reputation. She was kind of a ditz and a worrywart. And like I said before, she, uh, you know, a lot of the mannerisms and stuff of olive oil were um, based on Zezu Pitts. Director Alfred E. Green once um, commented that, quote, her face has been on more cutting room floors than any other actress, as she was a famous scene stealer 
she often overshadowed the stars of the movie. The stars would complain, and so her scenes would be edited down to keep peace on the set, so the stars would not be overshadowed. And so that's kind of interesting. So, you know, we, we talk about these people who lose, you know, in fires and whatnot. They were, you know, their whole careers have been lost. And then here's this lady who she was too good. And and the and the baby stars of the time couldn't, you know, oh God forbid someone else get a funny line in the movie. You know what I mean? So you just you we're gonna cut your good work, some of her best work probably. You know, we're gonna cut your stuff and you'll end up not you know, different way to lose all your, all your work, which is not cool. And the, uh, the stamps that Al Hirschfeld did that I mentioned, there was also Lon Chaney, John Gilbert, Harold Lloyd, Theta Barra, Buster Keaton, and the Keystone Cops were also part of that set. She claimed that Rudolph Valentino taught her to dance while they were appearing together in a film in 1918, The Society Sensation. Charlie Chaplin signed her to a six-month contract during 1917 or 18, but he never used her in any pictures. He just had her under contract and, I guess, never found a use for her. I'll bet he found some use for her. But, um, like I said, she worked with... She made 16 shorts with Thelma Todd. I mentioned their friendship, her friendship with uh, Mary Pickford. She was on... They were in Rebecca of Sunnybrook Farm together. And then Pickford put her into The Little Princess, like I mentioned, and also put her in Douglas Fairbanks, her husband. Next picture, A Modern Musketeer. So, you know, you meet someone and they put you in three movies and you get your start right there. That's how, it, you know, that's how it works. She was fired by uh, D.W. Griffith from The Greatest Thing in Life. That's the name of a picture in 1918. Um, and then all of her scenes were cut out. Because she looked too much like Lillian Gish, who will do an episode on at a later date, the Gish sisters, and is quoted as saying, "Of course I was flat. Of course I was flattered, but I was out of a job again." You know, you get fired for looking too much like someone, but you're still fired. She was what they called back then a feature player. She estimated that she was in over 500 films. She was, she was quoted as saying that she was in everything but the newsreels. <laughs> and so she had a nice long, you know, nice long career. She was interred at Holy Cross Cemetery in Culver City, California upon her death. I think that's going to do it this week for Hollywood Profiles of Yesteryear, Zezu Pitts. Um, you can check out some of her work on YouTube. You can just pop her name in and... Uh, that's Z-A-S-U Pitts, P-I-T-T-S. Yeah, she was a classic comedian of the day uh, with her timid, forlorn blue eyes and trademark woebegone vocal pattern and fidgety hands. <laughs> Lots of screwball comedies. And uh, it's funny how people, you know, that start in comedy can be um, some of the best dramatic actors of all time. You know, you see that quite regularly, actually. You see... Robin Williams started in comedies, and some would say he's one of the best, or was one of the best. Jim Carrey, he's done some good work. Anyway, you see that kind of often. I wonder I wonder why exactly, why that is. And just one little notable thing. I, I mentioned her uh, birth year in the beginning of the podcast, or her birth date. 
But I found a note that uh, Kansas did not keep birth records before 1911. And so her birth year is difficult to pinpoint. The, the, 19, the, the New York Times gives her birth year of 1900 in her obituary, which also appears on her, head, on her headstone. But many other sources, uh, including some film books, give her birth date as 1898. Whereas her biographer gives 1894 and notable American women points out that in the 1900 U.S. Census, she's listed as six years old. So that's in 1894. She and Thelma Todd were listed by Variety Magazine as the two top actors by number of film roles in the early 1930s. So pre-1933. So they were listed as the two actors who had starred in the most film roles and she herself was quoted as saying that she had been in over 500 pictures that's interesting i just heard that um michael kane basically will say yes to anything because that was one of his goals in life he wants to he wants to be in the most he wants to be the actor who's appeared in the most films so that's kind of interesting. So anyway, that's going to do it this week or this episode. That's going to do it for Zezu Pitts. Go back and check out the Thelma Todd episode. And it goes into it a little bit. You'll hear a little bit more with her. You can start piecing. You know, it's interesting. All these people knew each other and they all, you know, Hollywood was very small. They all know each other now and it's way bigger. Hollywood was very, very, very small in the early 19 you know, 19, late teens and early 1920s. Anyway, um, thank you for listening. Thank you for uh, sticking with me through all these stops and starts and whatnot. Once again, thank you to the uh, Patreon supporter. Uh, you know who you are. Thank you, Susan. And thank you to the Movie Makers. Please be, please check out their podcast, The Movie Makers. They're two guys. They have a guest and they come up with a premise, and they essentially, over the course of the podcast, they they come up with a a, a movie on the spot, you know. And they're they're fun. They're they're out there. That's for sure. So, happy New Year! I hope everyone got what they wanted for Christmas, and everyone's New Year was wonderful. Once again, thank you for listening. Right after this, I am recording episode eight of the Three Stooges Throwback podcast so that will be coming out on the same feed um, in the next couple of weeks and then so I'm gonna keep I'm gonna stay try and stay on at least one episode per month maybe two episodes per month schedule thanks a lot bye <laughs>